And off we go. Season 2 of Centerpiece NY. Another season of great life stories of Irish people, young and old, who have put down some serious roots in New York. I'm Paul Finnegan, the creator, producer, and host of this podcast. going to kick off season two with a little chat about the podcast itself and who better to have a chat with about a podcast than another podcaster in this case a dublin-based corkonian by the name of colm o'regan and not only is he a podcaster his own show is called the function room chats about mats but he's also an author a broadcaster a social media influencer with a huge social media following under various hats and the MC you'll want to hire for your special event. And the humour that weaves its way into everything he does also makes him one of Ireland's sharpest, funniest comedians. So I was delighted when he accepted my invitation to make an appearance on my podcast and talk about New York and Ireland, past and present, and loads of things in between. Though had he refused, it might have caused a bit of consternation in the family, because I'm also very proud to say that he is my cousin. His mother is a sister to my own late amazing mother. So more exactly, Cullum and I are first cousins. And just so you know, he did not pay me to say all those nice things about him. He truly is the real deal. So, a phrase we often like to use in New York, he's good people, man. Hey Paul, thanks for having me on the chat and delighted to take part in the launch of season two. Are you looking forward to season two? Of course. I felt very happy about season one and how I pulled it together. And I'm uh, anxious to get back in the in the uh, recording studio again. It's a body of work now, isn't it? It is. It is a body of work. And, you know, if I put together another season two of 10 episodes, then that just makes it more, more easy for people to refer to it and to mine it for nuggets and episodes that they want to listen to. Will this be the difficult second season now? Will there be a 45 minute prog rock instrumental with uh, themes rooted in mythology and uh, the underworld? Or will you keep, will you... (laughs) We won't get, you won't lose the run of yourself. No, I won't. I won't. No, it's not going to, it's not going to fall. Well, my hope is it doesn't fall flat. You could actually say uh, season one was uh, the A side of the classic album and (laughs) season two will be the B side, you know? So, so, you know, there's a, there'll, there'll be a continuum of whatever it is in season one going into season two. Hopefully I can keep it, uh, I can keep the vibe in good shape for for season two and then we might start to get creative who knows more creative and then there is and there is a vibe uh that i really like about it um like i feel like you are doing an archiving service because you are recording the stories of people who have a particular insight into american life and irish life and where those two intersect. And 
I'm looking forward to hearing more stories like it, even possibly hearing, again, some of the stories from people expanded that you've already spoken to. It it really is, there's a lot there, isn't there? And there's a lot to, a lot more to come amongst that community, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, um, it's like a never ending, you know, it's, it's an unlimited resource that I can tap into. Um, and the way I think of my podcast is any Irish person comes to America, but in particular to New York, they step off the plane and whether they have worries about their legal status, if they're temporary legal at that moment, that aside, they are going to feel within several days through relatives and friends that there's a there's this um, frequency in, in New York in particular that has a very positive opinion of the Irish. So they just pick up on that uh, signal. And my podcast is really where that all starts. It's about people who just by working together, being part of a community over centuries at this stage, you know, have created that signal, that background noise of the Irish in New York universe for them. So there's just endless people. And I've lived here for over 30 years and there's just endless number of people I know. And, uh, I just think that, you know, I don't have enough time to catch up with all the people that would be fantastic subjects of, of, uh, fantastic centerpieces of, of the podcast. And there was definitely some people stood out for me, uh, that really made me think differently in a way about the experience. Um, so what was interesting for me was that depending on when somebody left Ireland often influenced their accents. Like you could tell if it was a stronger American accent, it might be that they left under the age of 14, whereas if they're a bit older, they kept the accent. But the different experiences, the man who went to war in Vietnam and came back and witnessed the protests against the Vietnam War from a different angle, but not even from the classic American soldier angle, but from that of a Irish emigrant who goes to fight for the country that he's just arrived in. And it's it's great that the stories are just there, left for us to, you know, experience and have our own take on them. But they are rooted in human experience. That episode with Mike Doherty mm. was a heck of a down payment he had to put up front. You know, it was like, mm. it's like when you buy a house, you know, you have to come up with 20%, you know, anyway, and the mortgage comes after that or whatever the percentage is these days, or it fluctuates, of course. Mm. Mike's case, you know, doing jobs here and jobs there and realizing there wasn't much much continuity to it. And of course, you know, he says he looks, he looks uh, west to America and, uh, so he says, all right, I'll go there and I'll have steady work and I'll have, you know, a future, a future that has, you know, potential. But, <laughs> you know, within months of him landing, he's he's roped into this war that he has no connection to. He doesn't even, you know, obviously he, he loves America from day one, but that's a level of patriotism from day one that's, you know, it's a very high bar. So I specifically sought out Mike because he was a veteran of Vietnam, and there's a few of them knocking around still, you know, that had a very similar experience. You know, what I thought Mike was both because he was such a wonderful storyteller and had a personality, I felt he would be a great person to illustrate that particular episode in the Irish history in the United States. Because, you know, the Irish are renowned for helping the United States in its wars over the centuries, you know. 
Um, you brought up accents, you know, I love that yeah. too. I mean, I just, the variety of accents that Irish people have in Ireland alone is just amazing. So if you're not Irish or you're Irish American, you know, the, the episodes will, <laughs> will reveal different accents. You know, I think I did an episode with John Houlihan, uh, just to illustrate a real dub accent, you know? Yeah. And John came here. I think you mentioned it just now in your question. I mean, the, the age you come here is significant in terms of whether you keep your accent or not. John Hoolan came to America when he was 30 and yeah. uh, he was, <laughs> you know, his, his vocal cords were solidified at that point. You know, they That's had, right. they were petrified. What, what I like about it is not only they provide a perspective on America when they arrive, but also if you leave Ireland at a particular point and apart from holidays, you don't go back for long periods since that point, the image of Ireland that they can recount is a snapshot of Ireland as well. And of course, they are, you know, very much aware of what's changed in Ireland, but they, what, what they have in them locked into their brain is that Ireland as they left it. And it's good to talk to people like that because they will give a different perspective to people who stayed in Ireland. Because when you stay in a place, a place changes and you might notice how it's changed because it changes gradually around you. So he called Ringsend a fishing village, you know, and mm. Ringsend now is uh, elbow deep in silicon docks and all this kind of talk. And it's just great to hear it. No, no, it's a, it's a fishing village. That's what it was when he left. And that's a valuable insight. Yeah. Uh, John Hoolahan's, I think he's 80 now or close to it or just gone past 80. And I'm not there yet, but I left Ireland and I still have that very strong photograph snapshot of Ireland, the Ireland that I left, which was, you know, in the middle of the 1980s. And that's still an image and a, it's a model of Ireland I carry around in my subconscious all the time. And uh, Sean Benson, who was a later guest, uh, later centerpiece uh, in season one, then, then John and, and Mike, he, he alluded to the fact that he, you know, he left Ireland in the 80s as well, and he goes back frequently, but he, he's not connected to Ireland. Whatever Ireland is today, visits of two weeks per year or three weeks per year or a couple of visits like that every year do not really connect you to what the undercurrents are. You know, you, you need to, yeah. you'd have to go back and live there for a couple of years to feel the undercurrents again, really understand them and sense them. So, I mean, I do go, I, you know, when I go back to Ireland, I was, I was actually fortunate enough to go back for a few days at the end of July and I spent time with my younger, my nephew and his friends a little bit. And there's just so much going on. There's just a different vibe there. I, mm. I you know, he had friends from all over Europe and actually yeah. the Middle East that live in Galway. They had studied there and they, they now want to live in Galway. I mean, that wasn't as common in my day. It was just different, you know? Yeah. And if, if, if for some for it to happen, it had to be a big set piece, like going off interrailing or somebody's yeah. oil, somebody's working in oil, so they're going to have to work in the Gulf. But it was a big story. The whole village knew. Now it's like just yeah. so-and-so is going back, to, going back home for a holiday in, I don't know, yeah. uh, somewhere, you know, Morocco and... Yeah. They're being WhatsApp. They're doing sending each other WhatsApp voice notes. Just by the way, it's yeah. not. It's like it's just natural. Yeah. They don't even think of it as unusual. Like people who live in in the midst of multiculturalism don't really spend all their time talking about how multicultural it is. It's, no, no. This is just the way it is. This is life. <laughs> I say, in the course of 
conversations I get into here in New York, you know, the Irish, first of all, the immigration into the United States for an Irish person is very, very difficult, long-term immigration. They often come with just a short-term kind of employment-related career type visa. So the Irish people coming into America is certainly not as a flow like it used to be. But on top of that, do the Irish themselves want to come to America and commit to America to build community in America as they once did? That's a, a situation that Ireland in America, Irish America, is struggling with. It's a challenge right now. How do we mm. continue this Irish American identity in the United States without the same type of immigration? Because not only is it harder for them to get in, but those that come don't view it as a permanent stop. It's yeah. not a one-way ticket anymore. It's it's more a part of a global view yeah. they have of the world. There are there are no more American wakes. It's not a death. Yes. It's not a new life in America anymore. It's merely just another stage. Yes. So yes. and 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 of course the conflict there is that the amazing diaspora in Irish America that is Irish America is born of a grim provenance like that wouldn't be there if it wasn't for miserable conditions. You know, there'd always be adventurers yeah. will go, but the, sh- the millions over the last 250 years simply wouldn't have gone, except they had no choice and it was bloody miserable to remain. Very hard when you got there, but a sense at least of opportunity or at least you could go somewhere. And that's something actually I was listening to your guests. There was that sense of upward mobility, like they, they arrived in whatever whatever networks they had, but then they took a course or they got a job. And yes, there is good old-fashioned nepotism that I indeed I have benefited from myself in getting that job. But you work hard at any job and the rate of pay is sometimes protected by a union, but more often than not is at least fair and you have enough to pull yourself up, you know, yeah. to achieve, it seemed to be, a causal relationship between hard work and taking opportunities and results. And then you, I suppose it felt almost nostalgic because I'm thinking about it. Certainly how America is portrayed now, if you arrive poor or you are poor, how do you go upwards? Where is the upward mobility? So it, it's, it's an archive that may be an archive of something you weren't intending to record. And hopefully it's not, it's not something that's gone, but uh, you'd never know. You bring up a lot of very, <laughs> very, um, a lot of issues that this country is facing, the United States is facing. I totally agree with you. There was, there was that feeling when I came here that you just get stuck in and you'll be, you'll be rewarded above the standard rate. You know, you can get more, you may not, you know, getting super rich, you know, being, being the one in many, 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 many thousands of of immigrants to the United States that gets really, really rich, you may not get there, but at least you can you can have more things. You can you can have you could have more stuff in your life, but you can you can provide better for your children and their future. And if you just get stuck in, however, I'm not so sure that's the case anymore because you know personally, I feel that reward. The American dream, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say, is is harder now. And I see it in, in for young people. They they it's harder for them to afford a house. It's harder for them to commit to settling down and having a family. They delayed that and into later years. So I think all these things this country really has to have a long look at 
and very soon, a good hard look at this and very soon, because ultimately there's a social contract when it comes to America. And I'm not sure the contract is still there. And if it is, it's, it doesn't appear to be uh, being honored as it should be for the for the benefit of everybody, for the benefit of the country, you know, and that yeah. just applies that applies to all Americans, not just immigrants. And I'm sure that is something that you the more stories you tell, the more as the past kind of illustrates the present, you'll kind of explore more of that in season two. <laughs> And now, a word from our friends at the Celtic Irish American Academy in Galway. My name is Brian Fahey, director of the Celtic Irish American Academy. I would like to invite you to join us on our next programme, which takes place in Salt Hill, Galway, from July the 10th to the 23rd, 2022. Our two-week immersive summer programme for high school students is now enrolling. Come join us on this wonderful adventure in a classic Irish setting. This is Caitlin from Parkland, Florida. In July 2019, I attended the Celtic Irish American Academy as an emerging Irish-American young leader, fully immersing in the culture and heritage of Galway, Ireland, We stayed with an outstanding host family for two weeks, touring and attending classes on leadership, business, and volunteering. The memories I have and the friendships I made will last a lifetime. For more information, visit our website at CelticIrishAmericanAcademy.com. And now, back to Centerpiece NY. Uh, Just to finish up, how do you feel about being a podcaster now about this new scale, it's very, it's easy to get into. You just need the internet and some sort of a microphone. And now that you're in, what do you think about it as uh, a new letter after your name? I I love it. And, uh, you know, my, my, my desire to do something in radio, shall we say, goes back, you know, quite a while. I grew up on radio. I lived in, I grew up in single channel land and there was a significant percentage of that time when RTE went on strike. So <laughs> we'd, we'd look, but we used to think of strikes as being a, an absolute uh, travesty and, oh, look what the unions are doing. And now you look back and go, oh, remember when labor had power, <laughs> when, oh, yeah. when organized, when there was such a thing as organized labor and I wonder when we, even though we didn't understand it at the time, strikes, you kind of, <laughs> they'd, they'd have their purpose. Oh yeah, definitely. There is that. There's definitely that side of the conversation. Um, and I used to always think being in single channel land down in the West of Ireland that, uh, oh, it's all very well for the, for the lads in Dublin to go on strike because they can go home and turn on the BBC. (laughs) (laughs) We're stuck in a, in a, in a pop culture desert, you know? Yeah. So, so the radio is, but audio itself, I love it. I mean, I do, I do feel that when you're listening and there isn't video with it, I think that on some level you're, you build a deeper emotional connection to the sound of someone's voice. So my, my stepping into podcasting was something that was coming, whether, whether the rest of the world was jumping in at the same time or not. I, I actually, whatever little equipment I have, I bought it about three years ago and I learned editing and I was tooling around, but you know, I, 
I'm, you know, I'm busy, busy, full, full time work all the time. But um, with the pandemic, the opportunity just arose. And uh, I just started to, as they say, give it a lash. And um, I found that uh, I'm enjoying it. I, I There were certain um, shows on national public radio here in the United States. Uh, one of them is called This American Life, which is like mm. the original classic sort of podcasty type show it's and then radio lab was another one i became a big fan of and i just said you know let me let me do it in that style like a pseudo documentary well i don't know if pseudo is the right word but somewhat in a documentary format and you know throw in sound effects throw in more background music uh, not just a straight interview but piece it together try to build a storyline of some sort and to me that's just it's an outlet for creativity that has long been dormant in me and uh, I, the way I look at podcasting is when you want to be a creative as you well know Colm it's hard work you know it, it, yeah. there's, at the end of the day there's a lot of work there are days when you wake up and you couldn't be arsed but you have to do something you have to in your case mm. maybe create some humorous uh, angle on the world or write yeah, to the no, examiner no boss. once a week yeah. there's no boss telling you what to do and you are yeah. Uh, yeah, like it's it's very interesting how yeah. to you don't know what whether what you're doing is the right thing. All you all you knew all you know is that on some days there are days where you just need to look back in the day and say I did that and I don't know where it's going to go. It can be exciting doing a thing and not knowing where it's going to end up, provided a few things come through <laughs> with enough regularity to let you feel. And this isn't even in a monetary sense, but let you feel that you are. Yeah. roughly speaking heading in the right direction and i think that's why it's so important you've got your first season down yeah and it was good and then you're going into the second the very fact we're having this conversation you see lots of podcasts and yeah. they start with a hullabaloo and may sometimes may even do too many episodes up front yeah. and then they kind of just there's gaps and then you don't see them again so just the most important thing is that you're still there <laughs> that's your first uh your first um yeah but I, I guess you feel maybe a duty now. You've you've invited people along. Yeah, there are people on the bus, and you've got to keep driving. Yes, yes, and stopping occasionally to pick up more people to get on the bus. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. But seats for everybody. Yeah. So you know, podcasting for me has got this hands-on thing with tech. You know, uh, there's equipment, there's there's editing. I spent many years as a computer programmer, so I could just sit for hours with a keyboard and a screen. It's like doing something around the house or something. It, it sort of I I can just get stuck in and feel like I'm doing something if there's this hands-on to it. If it's just simply yeah. writing, I find I run more into more dead end. So when I'm working on putting a podcast together it's almost it's almost giving my brain you know time to just let the creativity come up of its own accord and i'm not trying to force it up all the time if i'm constantly you know the rest of my body is busy with technical and just work yeah. basically you know just physical hands-on work that it, that so podcasting seems to be a medium through which i can finally be creative and so it's it's you know i'm really enjoying it and yeah, and now there is that feeling that I have made a commitment to the world and I have mm. to keep that commitment. I can't just disappear because, you know, I don't like to do a job if, it's, <laughs> if I don't do don't it like, well. You don't like walking off the site. Well, you are still there anyway with season two 
and uh, coming very soon. I'll let you uh, explain to all your listeners exactly where and when and how. But uh, I've really enjoyed it and best of luck with it. Thanks a lot, Colm. I just want to add one last comment. This thing we spoke of, single channel land, I won't explain it here and now, but if there is one thing remaining from my upbringing in Ireland that I can't get past, it's that. So, somewhere down the road in this podcast series, I'll have to confront it. So keep coming back for the crack like. To learn more about Colm O'Regan and all his great works, go to colmoregan.com. And if you can't spell colmoregan.com, no apostrophe, check out our show notes for the link to his website. And you'll find those and everything else about the Centerpiece NY podcast at centerpieceny.com. That's C-E-N-T-E-R-P-I-E-C-E-N-Y dot com. There you can find lots of great episodes, read more about our guests, sign up for updates, and learn how to find and follow us on social media. And finally, coming soon, our first full episode of Season 2 will be with the godfather of Irish talk radio in the US himself, the legendary, the notorious, and the wonderful Adrian Flannelly. An art that I haven't quite developed yet, but if you can learn to shut up and to let your guests say what they have to say, it would be a sign of great wisdom but then wisdom is a virtue and I'm too old to worry about it.